Let's take our Bibles out from the book of John, chapter number 9. John, chapter number 9. And um, while you're turning there, uh, I don't know how many of you were at the, uh, the, um, the Academy Christmas program this past, uh, the past couple of weeks, this past month. And um, man, I got ragged on in that, about my jokes. You know, they get ganged up on my kids and uh, target them, and they were just, they were slinging tomatoes at me out there uh, about, they said, does your dad ever tell any jokes and uh, things of that nature. And so I, I felt the pressure to, you know, really have to redeem myself here, and I was, I was thinking about, um, you know, trying to think of a joke, and, um, you know, apparently I'm not very funny, so, um, but I was, I was trying to think of a joke, and, um, you know, I was reminded uh, this past, this past uh, week that, of course, you know, uh, we all like football, a lot of us like football in here, and um, I was like, man, what's a joke? And this one's really personally, but I think, uh, you know, a good joke is actually Michigan's football performance on the field. That was a, that was a joke, and that hurts to say, but, I mean, that was, that was a joke. And, um, but, uh, no, we have a lot to be thankful to God for. We have a lot of, uh, we're a blessed church, uh, we're a blessed people. And uh, I'm reminded of, uh, you know, this older lady that lived on a neighborhood, and um, every morning she'd go out there. She lived next door to an atheist. Uh, she'd wake up, she'd go outside on her front porch, and uh, the first thing she did every morning was walk outside, uh, look at the sun, and say, praise the Lord. And uh, the atheist, he'd often be out there at the same time on his porch, and every morning he'd hear that, and uh, he didn't like that, of course. And he got tired of hearing that after a while, and so in response, he'd yell back. He'd say, there is no God. And uh, this went on for quite some, some time, many years. Every morning, this lady'd walk out, and she'd say, praise the Lord. And, uh, you know, the, the man replied in a snarky kind of a way, there is no God. Uh, a little time later, uh, this old Christian lady, she ran into some difficulties. Uh, she had some financial hardships, and... Uh, she needed some food, so she walked out on her porch like she always did every morning. And she said, Lord, uh, I need some help with some groceries. I need some food. Uh, Lord, I pray you'll send it to me. Praise the Lord, like she always did. And the atheist, again, in his normal way, said, there is no God. And uh, the day went. The next morning came. Uh, that elderly lady walked out, opened the front door, and bam, seven bags of groceries sitting on her front steps. And uh, she looked at it. Tears started sharing, and she goes, Praise the Lord. And uh, shortly after she said that, the atheist jumped out from behind a bush. And he said, ha, he said, I bought those groceries for you. There is no God. The lady, uh, she looked, she smiled at him and she said, uh, praise the Lord. Not only Lord, did you provide for me, but you had the devil pay for it. And, uh, you know, uh, we have a lot to thank God for. Uh, I know our country is in a mess and I know... A lot of things are going on that we don't like, um, but nonetheless, you know, I'm glad that God is a God of, of uh, blessing. I'm glad God's a God of power. He's not bound by anything, and uh, God even uses uh, the devil's crowd to provide the needs of God's people. And so, uh, no matter how dark the day gets, never forget, God can always meet our needs if we just stay true to Him uh, and do the work that He's given us to do. Uh, John chapter 9 and verse number 4, I want to read just one verse of scripture. John chapter 9 and verse number 4, the Bible says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. 
the night cometh when no man can work. Now this is Jesus here saying this statement, making this, uh, this saying this phrase here, and God obviously gave him a job to do when he came to this earth. Now Christ is our example. Christ is our guide. Christ is our uh, is the one set before us that we're to follow in. And if Jesus made this statement, I think we ought to make that statement as well. I mean, God put us here for a purpose. God put our church here for a purpose. God's given us a work to do. And you know what? We have a limited time to do it. We have a short amount of time to do it. And like Jesus said, we've got to work the work while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And so for a couple of minutes this evening, I want to challenge us. I want to bring this truth. How a church can complete the work set before them. How a church can complete the work set before them. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the opportunity to come to church. And Lord, I pray that you'll speak to hearts here this evening. Lord, give me your words to say. Give me the, the power to say it. And Lord, I pray that uh, what I say will be a blessing, will be a challenge, will be an encouragement to each and every one of us here today. And Lord, I pray that no one will leave here this evening, uh, not challenged to not just do the work set before them, but to complete the work set before them. Speak to hearts here this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. How a church can complete the work set before them. Hudson Taylor, the great Christian missionary to China and the founder of the China Inland Mission, spent 51 years of his life on the mission field of China. He was responsible for bringing over 800 missionaries to the country, who in turn began 125 schools, which directly resulted in over 18,000 souls saved. A historian summarized the story of Hudson Taylor's life when he said, No other missionary in the 19th century since the Apostle Paul has had a wider vision and has carried out a more systematic plan of evangelizing a broad geographical area than Hudson Taylor. However, uh, that does not go to say that Hudson Taylor did not face difficulties. Uh, with all the fruits that Hudson Taylor reaped from his work in China, he did not go without difficulties. The, the, the biography of his life says he faced illness numerous times. He faced the death of his wife. He faced the death of his children. Desertion by fellow workers. Persecution by those in China. Uh, financial pressures uh, from those all around the world on his ministry. And in the midst of all that, persistent unbelief of those all around him. I mean, he went to China, a place of great uh, apostasy, a pagan land, uh, a land that believed in uh, ancestor worship and uh, believed many different things and many different gods. And in spite of the ministry that we see Hudson Taylor from our side of things, he had great difficulties. Hudson Taylor described a particular season of difficulty with these very words. My path is far from easy. I was never more happy in Jesus, and I am very sure he will not fail us. But never from the time of the foundation of the mission have we been so utterly cast upon God. It is well, doubtless, that it should be so. Difficulties afford a platform upon which He can show Himself. Without them, we could never know how tender, faithful, and almighty our God is. How much we may not to trust Him. Hudson Taylor later stated when referring to the work set before him, there are three stages to every great work of God. First, it is impossible. Then, it is difficult. Lastly, it is done. 
uh, friend, I want us to remind us here today what a great truth that Hudson Taylor made. And uh, sometimes we forget in the work of God, and sometimes we forget as we do the work of God that uh, there are three stages to the work of God. We sometimes think that, hey, because I'm serving God, it's going to be easy. Uh, because I'm serving God, uh, I'm going to turn the world upside down. Because I'm serving God, everybody's going to flock to church. But you know the truth is, it starts out and it's impossible. Uh, then it becomes difficult. But then you keep at it and it is done. Perhaps no greater Bible character sums this up than Nehemiah. I mean, we can find no greater Bible character to relate to uh, than to Nehemiah because the Bible says that Nehemiah went to Jerusalem in the year 444 B.C. You know, the Bible says Ezra had been there for 13 years, and uh, the Jews had been home for nearly 100 years, and they had rebuilt the temple, although an insignificant temple compared to its former glory. Yet they had made zero progress in rebuilding the wall and restoring Jerusalem as a fortified city. So Nehemiah goes, and he sees the state of the land, he sees the state of the city, and he begins, he sets his heart to rebuild the wall, and he sets his heart to uh, build up the defenses. And you know what happened? It was an impossible work. Uh, the work that was set before him at this time, which was that of rebuilding the wall, was impossible. Oh, but I'm glad that when things are impossible to us as men, all things are possible to God. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26, With men this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Nehemiah the cupbearer to King Artaxes gained the favor and approval from the Persian throne to rebuild the wall. All of a sudden, that which was impossible didn't seem so impossible. You see, but to replace the impossible came the difficulty. Nehemiah goes and starts building and, hey, along comes criticism and ridicule. Along comes threats of war. Along comes internal strife within the, Drew, the Jews. Along comes calls for compromise from those without. You see, the impossible was replaced by the difficult. Uh, but you know what Nehemiah did? He kept at the work. The wor there was a work set before him that needed to be done. There was a work that was set before him that needed to be completed. But it was difficult. But I'm glad that when things are difficult to us as men... I'm glad that when things are difficult to us as Christians, I'm glad that when things are difficult to us as a church, all things are easy to God. You see, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14, is anything too hard for God? You know, Nehemiah, no doubt, looking at that wall and says, good night. Uh, I got here the first time and I'm, uh, this was an impossible job. I mean, uh, I didn't have uh, freedom from the king to do this. I didn't have uh, the ability to do this. But then God worked on the king's heart. And he sent me back with his approval. And now, you know what? It's no longer impossible, but it's difficult. But then Nehemiah learns that as he goes at the work, and he stays at the work, and he stays at it, uh, and he builds, and he builds, that all of a sudden, in spite of the impossibilities, in spite of the difficulties, that God helped him complete that work. You see, the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 15, So the wall was finished. In the twenty and fifth day of the month, Elul, in fifty and two days. You know, we read biographies of men like Hudson Taylor. We read the great stories of men such as Nehemiah and others. And we get inspired to do the work set before us. But every Christian and every church must understand that as we set out to do the work set before us, 
There are three stages to every great work of God. First, it is impossible. Then, it is difficult. Then it is done. And friend, I want to remind us here today how a church can complete the work set before them. You know, uh, the, the things I'm going to show you tonight, you can apply this to your own life. Uh, I'm going to preach uh, from a church standpoint, but you can apply this to your life. You can apply this to your marriage. You can apply this to your home. You can apply this uh, to your uh, parenting. I mean, this is something that God has given us. That was be honest. The work God's given us to do, in our own power, it's impossible. The work that God has given us to do in our own power is difficult. But oh, when we do it with God, and when we do it with God's blessing... It can be done. How a church can complete the work set before them. I've got three observations here tonight that we need to notice and understand on how a church can complete the work set before them. Number one, God has a work that needs to be done. God has a work that needs to be done. You know, first of all, there's a private work that needs to be done. Uh, Brother French, what is that? What do you mean there's a private work? Well, this is a work that only you... And only I, as individuals, can do. This is our time with God. You see, you will never go any farther in what God has given you to do uh, if you do not move upon your knees with God. If you do not spend time with God, if you do not do the private work that needs to be done, hey, you'll never do the work set before you. We'll never complete the work set before us. I, I think we've we've gotten so professional in our... I mean, most of us have grown up in church our whole lives. If not, we've been in church for some amount of time. And we know what the Bible says. We, we know we have the technology to do things. And if we're not careful, we make the grave mistake of saying, you know what, I don't need to do the private work because I've got a other work to do for God. And we make the mistake of forgetting that God has a work that needs to be done. We get so focused on the big picture, we forget it starts with the private work. It starts with me getting up every day and reading my Bible and moving with God on my knees and pouring out my heart to God. And you will never go any farther than you move upon your knees with God. So many Christians sometimes look at the work set before them and say it's impossible and they throw in the towel and they, they get frustrated and they get angry. And perhaps it's because they've, they're trying to do the big work and they've neglected the private work. There is a private work that needs to be done. Not only that, there's a personal work that needs to be done. This is a work that only you and I can do individually as Christians. And what is that? That's doing what you personally know and God expects you to do. You and I all have something that God has commanded us to do that we're to do for Him. This is a personal work. You see, nobody can get up in the mornings and read the Bible for you. No one can get up in the mornings and pray with God for you. That's a private work that you have to do. But just the same, nobody can show up on Saturdays and go out and tell souls uh, you know, other than you. And nobody can uh, reach certain people other than you. And nobody can run a bus route other than you. And nobody can teach a Sunday school other than you. And there is a personal work that needs to be done. Uh, this is the work that only you can do. You know, God put you and I and everybody in this church, and even those without the church that God wants in here, He put us on this earth to do something for Him. And so often Christians say, well, I want to do this. And if I can't do that, then I'm just not going to do nothing at all. Uh, I want to be the bus captain. If I can't be the bus captain, 
then I'm not getting on that bus route because I don't want to be the bus runner. Uh, and I don't want to be the one running out there in the rain and, and having to and knock on the door and bring the kids back. And I don't want to get all sweaty. And if I can't do this, I'm not going to do that. Uh, where did we get that idea that, you know, I, I will only do this for God and not that? And, uh, you know, as, and we wonder why God doesn't let us do anything. We wonder why nothing gets done in God's work. Because there's a personal work that needs to be done. Young people make the mistake sometimes of, oh, they, they, they grow up in a Christian school, then they go on to a Bible college and they've surrendered their life to God to, to serve the Lord in full-time Christian service. And hey, that's a noble thing, and that's what they ought to do. Uh, that's something that God expects of those who have been privileged to grow up in a church like this and to be taught the Word of God. But then they think that, you know, as soon as I uh, graduate and I get that diploma, I walk across here and uh, I'm a Bible college graduate. Pastor ought to pick up the phone, call me, and make me his assistant pastor. And a church ought to call me and make me their pastor. And uh, uh, God ought to call me right away and send me off to a, a mission field and give me a work to do. And, and they just want to sit around. And if that doesn't happen, they say, well, I ain't going to serve God. I'm not going to show up to soul winning. I'm not going to uh, serve on a bus route. I'm not going to teach a Sunday school. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. There is a personal work that needs to be done. If, if, if you and if I do not do the work that needs to be done, who is going to do it? You see, the work of God is not only done by a Christian's hands. It's also done by a Christian's heart. And so often we get so caught up, well, I'm doing something for God, but the heart is not in it. Hey, young people, don't make that mistake. Uh, you're in high school right now, and you're in, uh, maybe even in elementary, and uh, you got the heart. Don't get to Bible college and let someone pull that heart from it. Because a lot of people sometimes get caught up doing the work with their hands, and they don't have the heart. Uh, there's, th th there's people that grow up in churches, and they just end up sitting on pews, and, oh, they're doing something, but the heart's not in it. Hey, friend, if your heart's not in it, the work ain't going to move. Uh, God knows where our heart is. And God knows if we're doing it with our heart. But let me remind you here today, God has a work that needs to be done. There's a private work that has to be done. There is a personal work that needs to be done. And these are only things that you and I can do. I can't go to each and every one of you and say, you've got to do this. And you got to do it. But you know what? You can't do that for me. I've got to decide. You've got to decide. We've got to look in our hearts. We've got to pour out our heart to God and say, God, what do you have for me to do? God, what do you want me to do? Uh, and as God leads, and as, as maybe even the pastor comes to you and says, Hey, I, I need you to do this, or I'd like you to do that. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're scared. It doesn't matter if you're, uh, if you're insecure in it. It doesn't matter if you're terrified. You, you say, you know what? Uh, God's given me this to do. God's given me this opportunity to do, and I'm going to do it. And as we do that, there's a public work that needs to be done. You know, that's what we call the collective effort of all of us here today. Here's the sad truth in churches. It's been said that 10 to 20% of people in a church do 80 to 90% of the work. And I know our church is above average. I mean, pastor says that all the time. And I know that. But that is the sad truth of churches, of Christians in general, that 20% of people do 80% of the work. And we've got to understand here, uh, it gets that way because not everybody is doing the private work. 
And not everybody is doing the personal work. Doing, hey, I, I, I can't win jacks on my own, but I'm going to reach this street. And I'm going to reach that house. And I'm going to reach this person. And if every Christian got consumed with doing that, hey, the public work, the thing that everybody sees on the outside would get done. We think about the great churches of yesteryear. Oh, we think of the First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. We think of uh, uh, the, the great churches of J. Frank Norris and uh, of Hudson Taylor and all these great works of God. And we look at it from a distance and say, wow, what a work of God. What a church. Oh, what a ministry. And that's what we see on the outside. But it started because there was a group of Christians who said, hey, I, I, I contend to myself. I'm going to be right with God. I'm going to do the private work that needs to be done. And then beyond that, I'm going to do the personal work. I'm going to make sure I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to go reach people. And I'm going to build something with my own blood, sweat, and tears. And I'm going to build a bus route. I'm going to build a Sunday school. And I'm going to build uh, something for God. And as everyone puts their effort in and everyone works, there's a public work that gets done. You see, number one, how a church can complete the work set before them. God has a work that needs to be done. Number two, God has standards that need to be followed. God has standards that need to be followed. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, in verse number 10, the Bible says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Now, friend, be reminded here, God is a God of standards. Uh, and I'm not focusing on the standards right now, necessarily, of uh, between sin and separation and all of that. But God is a God of standards. God is a God of excellence. You know, everything that God did, He looked at it and said, uh, it is good. Uh, everything God did was perfect. Everything God did was righteous. Everything that God made was perfect. God is a God of excellence. He's a God of high standards. And we've got to understand when God gives us a work to do, His standards are high. He has high expectations for His work. He wants the world to be reached. Uh, he wants the world to be saved. He wants the world to, to put their faith and trust in Him. And so what we've got to understand is God has standards that need to be followed. Standards of effort. Standards of effort. Notice in Ecclesiastes 9.10, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it. That means the work. We've got to put forth the effort. You know, we live in a nation that is being eroded at its very core. And uh, this matter of work and uh, just laboring and rolling up the sleeves is becoming to be a, uh, it's starting to be a very foreign idea. People are getting used to the government sending out stimulus. People are getting used to the welfare programs. People are getting used to the government saying, hey, I'll pay that for you, and I'll do this for you, and uh, uh, oh, you want that? I'll give you this, and uh, we're, if we're not careful, that falls into our churches. And we get used to it as Christians, as we live in this society, the standards of effort that need to be put forth. You know, society is attacking that, this matter of work. People just don't want to work no more. Uh, they want to sit around and do nothing and be entertained and, uh, and be, uh, you know, uh, be in vacation mode. We've got to understand God has standards of effort for us. He says, hey, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it. He said, put your hands to the plow. Don't look back. Just move on and just keep on going for me and work and just put your heart into it. Standards of effort. 
There's also standards of excellence. Uh, I remember when I was in Bible college and uh, working, uh, you know, they give you this big old employee handbook and say, all right, read this. And, uh, you know, you skim through it. You look at the important things. And, um, you know, uh, they, they said, here's what we expect from our employees. And they said, there's some standards of excellence. We expect you as an employee to uphold. Uh, we want you to be friendly to the people who call. We want you to respond nicely by email with them who shoot you an email. We want you, it doesn't matter if, you're, if you don't feel good, don't you dare. Don't you dare uh, drop your standards of excellence or we'll boot you out of this company. And uh, they said, you do the best you can. And, um, you know, God says the same thing. Where do, we think, where do we think this world gets their ideas from? I mean, God says, whatsoever you do, uh, or whatsoever the hand find to do, do it with thy might. We've got to ask ourselves a question. Do I have the same standards of excellence for the work that God's given me to do? And the work that God has given us to do? Uh, maybe as a home. Maybe as a church. Maybe as me as an individual. Am I doing the job that God's given me to do with a standard of excellence that I give my boss, that I give my, uh, that I give uh, the one that pays me, that I give the one that, that gives me the check each week to put the t food on the table? Am I putting uh, the standard of excellence forth that I would do for anybody else? Sometimes we shortchange God. We say, well, I got to get these two hours in, I got to get these three hours in, and we go around and we, we, we knock on the door and we, we do that ninja knock, you know? We, we tap. You know, we, I mean, we looked, we looked like we did. We, we had the motion down like we were pounding on the door. But it was a ninja knock. Oh, Lord, don't let him answer. Well, no one's home here. And we go to the next one. And ninja knock. And uh, now that guy looks mean. We saw him down the street and he, was, he, he looked like a happy man. So we'll just, uh, I, I, think he, I think he left. I think he, uh, you know, we, we come up with so many excuses in the work of God. God says, hey, I've given you a work to do. And you know what? Whatsoever thy hand find to do, do it with thy might. Colossians 3.23, the Bible says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily, uh, as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Friend, we got to do our best. You know, we can't be caught up looking at others and saying, you know what? Uh, I, I can't do as big, uh, my, my best isn't the best that they have. And I can't do what they do. Hey, that's not what God's saying. God is saying, you do your best, and you do your best, and you put forth your effort, and you do it with 100%, and you put, do it with your might, and I do it with my might. And that's doing our best, and that's the standards of excellence that God expects. Just do your best. Put forth the effort. And let's be honest. If we're putting forth our best, we never get to a place where we can say, I've arrived. <laughs> I can't do any better of a job than I've done. We'll never get there. Because if we could, we're God. And we're not. Uh, God's the only one that looked at his work and said, it is good. When we finish something, we look at it and say, not bad. But, you know, there's room for improvement. We finish something, we say, whew, man. That's close. That's 95%, uh, you know, almost perfect, but man, I could improve it somehow. That will always be the state of our work. And that's why God says, you know, do your best. Always do it with your money. Always put forth the effort. God has standards of excellence that he wants us to, be, that he wants us to follow. But the third thing on here is he has standards of endurance. Standards of endurance. 
the, the latter part of Ecclesiastes 9.10, For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. You see, you work, and you do your best, and you do that faithfully until you finish. You don't ever get to the point where you say, you know what, I've done enough, uh, and I dropped the work. No, Jesus said, I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. And friend, God decides when the work's over. God decides when our work's finished. And until then, we're to put forth the standards of effort. We're to put forth the standards of excellence. We're to put forth the standard of endurance. Hey, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it until God says stop. I'm going to do it until God moves me somewhere else. I'm going to do it until God changes my duty. I'm going to put forth, and I'm going to work, and I'm going to do it with endurance until I finish. Number two, God has standards that need to be followed. But number three, how can a church complete the work set before them? God blesses, and the work gets completed when the work is done and the standards are followed. You see, I'm reminded of in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 24, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Now sometimes we make the mistake of thinking, God called me, and he's going to do the work. And that is true to a certain extent. And sometimes we use that as an excuse of, I don't have to do my best. And I'm not going to put forth the effort because, hey, God called me and He's going to do the work. God, show up. Whenever you're ready to show up, God, you do it. Uh, friend, remind, I remind you here, the Bible says that God blesses and the work gets done uh, when the work is done and the standards are followed. You see... Why is God going to bless a person? Why is God going to bless a home? Why is God going to bless a marriage? Why is God going to bless a church? Why is God going to bless a country? If all those things I just said are not willing to put forth the work, are not willing to follow God's standards of excellence and put forth their all, and to do it to the best of their ability, and to uh, stay at it, uh, and, and to keep at it, why is God going to show up and say, you know what, I think I'm going to bless that. Churches are drying up all over this land. Christians are falling out of church. Christians are in uh, stadiums on Sundays. Christians are uh, in places of entertainment on, on Sundays. And Christians are falling by the wayside. Why should God bless? You see, God shows up and says, okay, there's a Christian who's doing the work. And there's a Christian who's upholding the standards that I, I expect. And there's a Christian who's doing again. Now, God looks down from heaven and says, you know what? They're, they're not doing a bad job, but hey, I can do better. And I know they're doing what they can. I'm going to show up and I'm going to make it complete. And I'm going to show up and I'm going to, oh, it started out impossible, but they, start, got, they got to work. Things got difficult, but they stayed at it. Uh, and they've gotten as far as they can go. And uh, I think I'm going to bring this all to a, a, a full picture here. And God shows up and a great work gets done. Friend, what did Hudson Taylor say? He said, first it is difficult. He said, then uh, it is difficult. Or first it is impossible. Then it is difficult. And all of a sudden, man, you stay at it. And you stay focused. And you're working. And you're staying at it. And all of a sudden, you look around and say, man, we have done a work. For God. It wasn't because they did it all themselves. No, 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 no. 
Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. God called you and God called me. God called us here to this place for this time. God's given you a task to do. God's given me a task to do. God's given us a collective task to do. But you know what? The collective will never get done if we do not do that which is personal. If we do not do that which is private. And friend, let me remind you here today how a church can complete the work set before them. Hey, uh, why not us? Why not this church? I mean, God's given us a great heritage. God's given us a great history. God's given us great workers. God's given us great people. But you know what? The work will only go as far as the people do. The work will only go as far as the people are willing to work. The work will only go as far as the, 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 the people are willing to uphold God's standards of excellence and God's standards of effort and God's standards of endurance. That's as far as the work will go because God is going to do what we can't. You know, you've heard it said, uh, you know, God could have easily, from heaven, just spoke and said, Hey, you know, I'm going to save that person. And I'm going to, he could have just spoke and just, bam, dropped a, a, a mega Baptist church in every city. But God chose to say, you know what, I'm going to send a man. And then that man's going to get some workers. And I'm going to send some workers to help that man. Uh, and then I'm going uh, uh, to give him a job to do. And that's to get the gospel to every street. And to get the gospel to every section of town. And to run buses and pick up children and teach them uh, the truths of God's word. And God, as they do that, then I'm going to, uh, you know, I know they can't do it all themselves. I know they can't, but I'm going to give them a job to do. And, and then I'm going to show up in what they cannot do. I'm going to bless and I'm going to do a mighty thing that when the world looks at it, they're going to say, I have no clue how that happened. All I know is people are running buses. All I know is people are knocking on everybody's door. All I know is Christians were sacrificing and Christians were praying and Christians were uh, staying right with God and Christians were begging God. And all of a sudden, we look back on history. And you know what? What will be said of our church? What will be said of Emmanuel Baptist Church? We have a great heritage. I mean, our church goes back years, but you know, we can't live on the past. We can't live on those successes. We can, we can, all, we can spend the rest of our time going forward and say, you know what? Look what God did in the past, and you know, we have a great heritage, but God wants to do things in 2022, and God wants to do things in 2023, and God wants to do things in 2024, and what we have to do is say, you know what? I, I poured my heart out last year, and I poured my heart out 10 years ago, and I put my, my all into it 20 years ago, and it's worthy of that again this year, and it's worthy of that again next year, and it's worthy of that until the day... That I die. How a church can complete the work set before them. Let me remind you of that statement. First, it is impossible. It's impossible in man's strength. But he does it. And then it gets difficult. Devil tries to stop. But you know what? We stay at it. With those standards of excellence. Hey, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stay at it. And then all of a sudden, you know what? It's done. God calls us home and says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. How a church can complete the work set before them. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the opportunity to come to church.